Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! It is a walkthrough Wednesday. Walkthrough being the fact that nobody's going to hit anything in Indianapolis today. Uh, the shoot workouts don't even start till tomorrow. It's all walk from one interview to another, walk from one medical tent to another. Everybody poking and priding and checking things in Indianapolis. And yesterday, Johnny Mac, some of the media uh, assembled in Indianapolis to poke and pride Howie Roseman a little bit. And I don't know about you, you and I discussed it yesterday because we knew it was happening well, 1.30, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, the GM was supposed to speak and Nick Sirianni shortly thereafter. I, I wasn't all that moved by what either one of them said. Maybe it comes because of the expectations I had. I didn't think much was going to be said. I didn't think much was going to be determined. And not a whole heck of a lot of it was. I heard some uh, response on WIP last night, yesterday afternoon, and when I was on last night, uh, and not too pleased were most Eagle fans. What did they really expect to hear? What What did you think you were going to get out of Nick Sirianni and Howie Rose? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mentioned on the show, you know, I didn't expect much. You no. know, they did have an off-the-record session, so... Uh, the guys who were out there probably got a little bit more from that. Um, at least how he did. Um, 
so from that standpoint, but yeah, in front of the microphone, he's too much of a veteran to uh, screw things up. So you asked me about Hassan Reddick, for instance, would he admit, you know, it was about letting other people negotiate the contracts. And I said, no, it, he won't admit that, even though it is, because it does, it serves no purpose for him. So uh, the goal, you know, is to keep everything on the table. You saw it in Chicago with Justin Fields. Everybody knows they're trading them, but they're trying to keep everything on the table because it doesn't serve them to go in another direction. Say, yeah, we got to get rid of this guy because we're going to take Caleb Williams number one. I mean, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for them. So the Eagles are no different than anybody else, other than how he's got more experience than most, so he's better at, at deflecting things and. Um, being, um, whether you want to use savvy, whatever term you want to use, he's, he's very, he's been through this a time or two. So, um, he understands what to do and what not to do basically. And what it leaves us with is doing some reading between the lines. And I have no problems doing that. Some people do, uh, Adrian Brown doesn't like it when we do it and read between the lines and feels the need to come out and give you exactly how he sees things. Um, so if anyone is not happy with me reading between the lines, sorry, that's kind of what we do. He did not put forth the ringing endorsement for Hassan Reddick. I may end up being wrong with this and he may end up signing a new contract and everything's going to be hunky dory, but the one tangent he went off on is the balancing of what's best for the team right now against what's best for the team in the future. If you're not seriously considering trading a guy, I don't think you say that. I think that's an in advance, cover your backside. Here's what our line of thinking was when we went down this Avenue. Uh, uh, John, I was kind of hoping it was just Howie's way of doing business. Hassan, feel free. Go out and check the market. Yeah. We we owe that to you. You need to go out. And that he had a pretty good grasp about what the market was going to say and thought that his position was pretty strong. Now, remember, he did that before the cap went up. And the cap not only went up, because everybody knew the cap was going up. The question was, how much? More than most everyone thought. Uh, so that probably changes the dynamic some. And Howie may have looked at it and said, yeah, what Jody Mack tweeted last week is right. He's going to be in the $25 million per neighborhood. And even with the cap increase, we don't necessarily want to get into the $25 million per neighborhood. And John, I did come away from Howie talking yesterday. And again, it's far from over. Uh, but I think that the, at least in my mind, the chances of Hassan Reddick playing elsewhere next year increased with what Howie Roseman said. How about you? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was a ringing endorsement, as in Hassan's going to be back. Certainly, and I think you're right. He was asked, you know, what's the best case scenario, and he could have said, "Well, the best case scenario is we find middle ground and yeah. he's back." And he didn't. And he said something about honest communication is the best case scenario with all your players. And uh, yeah, uh, th that would lead me to think what you're thinking, and that. Um, He's going to be too expensive, and the Eagles don't want to go to that point, and um, they're hopeful of getting something back uh, somewhat significant. And um, I think that's more likely 
I, I'm not saying it's 95%, but I think, you know, if you're teetering 50, 50, I'm certainly on the, on the plus 50 side now that Hassan probably won't be back. Um, but yeah, that's reading between the lines. And I kind of read the same thing you did. Um, and, you know, I think the hope from the Eagles is that money isn't there for whatever reason, you know, and, you know, Hassan was underpaid on the Spurs contract because it wasn't there. So, you know, people ha have a difficult time getting over the size issue and all that kind of stuff. Maybe it happens again. It's something Hassan Reddick has been dealing with his entire career. Um, you know, early it was about playing out of position, but once he, he turned it on his last year in Arizona, it's always been about size. Well, can he really continue to do this? Will he continue to do it in Carolina? Can he really continue to do it? Well, he had his best year ever in Philadelphia. Um, can he really continue to build on that? He had another good year, not as good, but still very good. Um, you know, two players in this league have had double-digit sacks uh, for four consecutive seasons. So, um, you know, that's why he's got the chip on his shoulder, basically, um, and understandably so. Uh, but the Eagles are, you know, hoping that that $25 million isn't there. Uh, and maybe it won't be, uh, but I doubt it at this stage. Here's where I would hope that the discussion doesn't need to get, but I fear that it will. Is it going to come down to Hassan Reddick or Josh Sweat? Because Josh Sweat is going to be due for a contract renewal at some point here. I thought that the drop-off for Josh Sweat this year was much more significant than Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick didn't have as many sacks this year as he did the previous year. I would more uh, point to the way that he was used as to that dropping off uh, more than, uh-oh, her son's now starting to get old and he just may physically not be able to do it. Um, Josh Wett is younger and had more of a drop-off than Hassan Reddick did. Are they making a decision internally as to there's only one of these two guys who are going to get up and above that $20 million per mark? Do you actually think it comes down to Reddick versus Sweat? Not necessarily because I think they understand, you know, it's a position they value and they understand you have to pay a premium. And I think ultimately, even if they move on from Hassan Reddick, they're going to bring in somebody um, at, at a what they consider a more cost effective rate, whether it's, you know, I brought up Chase Young, who's probably going to have to go the one year prove it route. And if you can get a, a Chase Young just spitballing. If you can get a Chase Young for one year, 15, 16, 17 million, um, and if he clicks, he clicks. If he doesn't click, you just move on. And again, when I say one year, 15, 16, 17 million, he's not going to be 15 million against the cap. You know how he's going to have void years and uh, make it much more um, uh, cost effective for the Eagles in the short term. Um, you know, I think they're going to bring somebody in of significance. So it, it's just about, you know, budgeting and how high you want to go. So I think, you know, edge rushers a position they value and they know you got to pay, but, you know, they're disciplined when it comes to the budget. Uh, up and down the roster, you know, that's a high-level player. You go down to uh, a Jack Stoll. They're not going to tender Jack Stoll as a restricted free agent. They want him back. 
and, and you're talking, I don't know what the number is offhand, about three, three something million, a little bit over three million. They're not they're not gonna pay him three million, but they're they'll bring him back at the better and minimum, uh, because they want him back. Uh, but you don't have to pay him three million, so why would you pay him three million? So they're very disciplined from top to bottom, and um that I think is more effective than no, you can only pay one. I think that is a position they know you need. In fact, they want more for, for two years now, they've been looking for that fourth edge rusher. They want that fourth guy. It hasn't, you know, it wasn't Derek Barnett. He didn't work out. Um, you know, they drafted Nolan Smith. He didn't work out at least early. And, and how we right. talked about getting young players uh, more involved. There, that was the most interesting part to me, by the way, Jody. There was a little bit of a disconnect there. Yeah. How he's saying, we got to get these guys on the field. Nick came up next and he's like, hey, I'm going to play who helps us win that particular game. If there was any disconnect, that was the disconnect on the podium between Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni. But Howie, from Howie's standpoint, he's like, well, obviously these guys aren't proven. How can they prove themselves if they're not on the field? And we go back to you go back specifically to Nicobe Dean. The Eagles were very good at linebacker in 2022, but they could have gotten them sometime. Um, and and maybe the startup costs are are lowered a little bit. Um, and he got injured anyway, but you get the point. And that's what Howie was trying to say. Well, sometimes you got to play young players. You can't be avoiding it. And um, so you you Nick, agree with Howie on that one, right? That Nick, judging Nick during his three years as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, has not done a good enough job through him through his coaches, if they're the ones who are calling out the guys for substitutions and the like, at giving guys growth time as they develop after they're drafted and they come into the league, that that has been a miscalculation by the head coach. I think overall it's been a little bit, I mean, it's always individual like Jalen Carter played because Jalen Carter's immensely talented. Um, So it's always a situation by situation. I'll even go back to Jordan Davis. I thought the Eagles, look, he got hurt as a rookie I'm talking about. And, And that's when they brought in, uh, in Dominican Sue and Linball Joseph, more Linball for Jordan Davis, but um, and also people forget Marlon Tui Pelotu also got hurt at about the same time, so it was more than just Jordan Davis that they had to bring in some reinforcements, and nobody cares because it ended up working and they went to the Super Bowl. But once Jordan Davis got back, they didn't play him. I don't agree with that. I mean, you got to get a mix. It. You know, Linball's not going to be here long term. You know, and right. Dominic and Sue aren't going to be. You, you got to mix it. And the Kobe Dean, yeah, you got to. Sorry, like TJ was great that year. I'm not talking about TJ. TJ stayed healthy. That's what you want. But Kaiser White, come on. You know, have him sit a series or two. Uh, and, and Kaiser was solid, but he, he, yeah, so it's an individual. Nolan Smith last year. Was Nolan Smith great? No, uh, I'm not trying to say that, but maybe with a little bit more time, he he would have started to pick it up a little bit. I think there was a room for that. And then there's the situations where Sidney Brown played out of position because of injuries. 
I don't necessarily like that. Tyler Steen got one opportunity when, and then they went back to Suo Peta. I probably would have given Steen a little bit more rope. Um, so it's always an individual situation, but I think more often than not, yeah, they failed a little bit in serving those two masters because you're trying to do both. You're trying to win the game, but you're also trying to develop younger players. And don't take this as a defensive, Nick, because you and I are on the same page here. Howie's got a point that you're supposed to be winning games and also developing players at the same time. And at least in my evaluation of Nick, since he got here, I'm playing the best guy. I don't. I got to win. It doesn't matter to me. We'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. I have one duty, and that's to today. And I'm going to play to win the game, and I think he overplays his hand there. Uh, but I, I will say this about this season. They didn't blow anybody out. We, we talked about it so much during the year. We, they won, but weren't they supposed to win by two touchdowns, three touchdowns, yeah, playing yeah. a mediocre team? That's why I got that more ticked off last year at Gannon about N'Kobe Dean because they had two touchdowns leads in the second half. And he's still trotting Edwards and uh, Kaiser White out there for every single snap. You're up two touchdowns. There's only 17 minutes, two minutes left in the third quarter. Why not get a guy out there who you took in the third round who you talked up as some reps so that he can get through the starter costs and the like? It was worth last year with Nicobe. This year, uh, even though I think Nick still overdid it, they didn't blow out anybody. They didn't have any big leads. They weren't up two touchdowns well into the second half where you say, all right, let's get this guy. Let's give uh, uh, 12 straight wraps to Nolan Smith. Uh, they didn't really have that. Uh, yeah, but I'm talking even more so meaningful reps. Like, I'm not talking about blowout reps that aren't important. They, they, you know, I get your point. They're easier to do. You probably could, you should have done it. Uh, but I'm saying significant reps. I'm saying sit, again, not TJ, but sit Kaiser White, you know, every four for, you know, it's not a rotational position. I get that, but there's room to get Nicobe Dean involved. There's room to get Nicobe and meaningful snaps because I don't care as much about blowout snaps because I don't think you're going to get much value out of those at that point with younger players. I'm saying they got to play, and Nolan Smith's got to play when it's meaningful. And yeah, is it difficult at times? Yeah. They want it. They went through it for years with Fletcher Cox. We got to play Fletcher less. We got to play Fletcher less. And then they would play him more and more because you get in the game and you're trying to win the game and you can't have your best defensive player not on the field. So I get it from both ends, but I think they could have done a better job of, of getting some younger players uh, and injuries. You know, Ringo ultimately got on the field because of injury and, some ineffectiveness, but uh, and Sydney out of position, not necessarily their fault, but early in the season, they probably I argued they should have started Sydney Brown from day one. You probably remember that because yep. you know, where are you going with Justin Evans? No offense to Justin Evans, but exactly where you are, one and done, and one and done turned out to be four, four games and done because he got hurt again. And if you talk about Terrell Edmonds, he didn't even get the one and done because he got traded. Um, throw Sydney out there. Who knows where he would have been? 
Now he yeah. got hurt at the end of the season, but you can't which legislate good, that. Which means you can't even plan him into the mix during this offseason because you don't know when he's going to be back. Uh, yeah, one thing you and I do disagree, I think there's no such thing as a meaningless snap. If you're playing snaps in the National Football League, it's meaningful. Some are more meaningful than others. Uh, that's rather obvious, but I don't think there's anything, uh, any such thing as a meaningless snap. I think all experience is good experience, and uh, they dropped the ball. Nick dropped the ball on that in a couple of different ways. Um, one other Howie uh, point I want to bring up before we punch up our buddy Mike Gill, who's going to be our first guest. The only mistake, the only misstep I thought Howie had yesterday, and see if you read this the same way I did, he was asked about the championship Eagles, uh, the, the veteran guys. Been there, done that, had a parade. Uh, Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey, uh, Brandon Graham, and he certainly sung the praises of those guys as well he should have. But one line that he used did kind of surprise me when he said, and the one thing you don't want to see is them in someone else's uniform. Now, I don't think that matters with Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey's either going to be here or he's going to be in a broadcast booth. I don't think it matters with Brandon Graham because I think Brandon Graham is either going to be here on a at best market value deal, and it's not all that high because he doesn't play as many snaps as even usual rotational type guys. So either he's going to come back or he's not. I don't think he's going to be anywhere else. Fletcher Cox at least entertained offers last year and talked to other teams and decided to come back to the Eagles and got good value. I wouldn't say he was overpaid. I wouldn't say he was underpaid. I don't think it was a team-friendly deal, market discount. $10 million is about what Fletcher was worth last year. If Fletcher decides to play, and Howie Roseman is on record in saying, well, you can't let him be in some other team's uniform, that gives Fletcher a little leverage in a negotiation, does it not? Did Johnny freeze up on me? Uh, uh, yeah, in theory, it would be. Um, did I freeze up on you? You did, but you backed you got up. me? Yeah. Um, I I think you're right. I think that what when we talk about reading between the lines, I think, you know, my, my reading of that was how he kind of knows it's either the Eagles or retirement uh, for both. And you're right about Brandon Graham. I mean, he's not going anywhere. So uh, mainly talking about Jason and Fletcher. Yeah, do you I think, think Jason's he, going he anywhere? Had... Nor no, do I. Of course But not. I, I no. you can't tell me Fletcher's a 0% chance he plays for somebody else next year. So not zero. Well, that I, I would have told you it wasn't zero. I would have told you he's more likely to go somewhere else than be in Philadelphia. I think from Howie's perspective, and he has more information than me, I'm saying what I read between the lines is, you know, he's gotten an indication that, that Fletcher's probably going to retire. Uh, that's how I kind of took that. Um, and... You know, maybe I'm wrong, but and, and that's all you're doing is reading tea leaves. But that's what I took from that. I got the take from, oh, that's probably because later in the conversation when Howie was talking about personnel, he was talking about positions and he was talking about the drafts. And you had some of those worthless questions, to be honest, about, you know, where are you going to go? What you're going to do? Things like that. Um, and he mentioned defensive tackle specifically. And he said. It's a high value position, but he's being honest. If I'm being honest, he said, this is rare. 
but he said, we got a lot of young talent at defensive tackle. So that's not going to be at the top of our needs list, so to speak. Uh, but if somebody drops, even at that position, they'll take them because they value the position that much. But he, but the bigger part to that was me. We got a lot of young talent, defensive tackle, specific. Well, if, you, if, you, if you've if you got a lot of those talent, you've got a lot is, of those young uh, players. Uh, saying. Yeah, it seems like Johnny's uh, feed keeps freezing up. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take our first break uh, of the day here, Xander. Hopefully, we get uh, Mike Gill from down the shore from the Sports Pass uh, ESPN Radio to jump in with us. Um, we'll continue this conversation about what was said by Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni yesterday in Indianapolis here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles.
Appreciate you being here with us on Birds 365, McMullen, McDonald, and Mike Gill from down the shore. We've got Devils. I see Devils. What's the t-shirt today, Mr. Gill? I'm going Arizona State. Arizona State Party School USA. There it is. That's Arizona uh, State was out there uh, when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, which, according to all the talk today, doesn't seem to be attainable in 2024. No, not if Nick has. We're already pulling the plug, baby. Pull the plug. Yeah, but Nick this, I, I I thought about this the other day in that in in 2022. I might have brought this up last week. I, I don't remember, but 2022. Remember, they didn't beat anybody. They weren't any good, and they made the Super Bowl. So yeah. were they really good last year and and fall apart, or did they just suck from the year before? <laughs> Yeah, well, nobody plays. You and I have had that discussion. Nobody plays anybody, right? right. I mean, nobody plays because nobody's of value. So, well, in twenty twenty three, they actually beat the Chiefs, the Bills, Dallas, yeah. Miami. Yeah. They had good wins all year. So, were they not? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat being playful here, but it is a bizarre puzzle to put together when you think of it, like. This team in 2022 makes the Super Bowl and the detractors. I'm not saying everybody, you know, you would get the random Dallas fans that live in this area where I live. There's a lot of crossover with Giants fans and nobody took the Eagles. Yeah, they didn't beat anybody all year. Well, you made the Super Bowl. Who gives a shit who you beat? You're in the Super Bowl. And then in 2023, they're 10 and one. And you're like, well, maybe they are actually pretty good. Or maybe they're not good. They keep winning games, but they don't look good. And then they just crumble and fall apart. And it was like, see, that team was never any good. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, and Nick Sirianni did say yesterday that he doesn't have to go far back into his memory when he can think of the time when the Eagles had the best culture that he's ever been around. And I'm sure he's uh, thinking of 2022 when he says that, even though they might not have beaten a murderous row of teams. Hey, the culture was great. Okay, isn't culture something that's sustained? Isn't that one of the reasons why you build a culture? Because you have that as your foundation and you build on that. How did the culture crater this year, Coach? He didn't really have an answer to that, did he, Mike? No, and, you know, he did mention he tried to go back to that, which here's the difference, and this is where this is kind of interesting for me, is the makeup of the team is different. And it's almost like major league. And I hate to bring Hertz into this, but when uh, Charlie Sheen's character, Ricky Vaughn, gets paid the money, he's not the same pitcher anymore. And everybody starts to look at him a little differently. Now, I don't know that people looked at Hertz differently. That's not kind of being, you know, what, I, what I'm feeling anyway, but maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe they said this guy got paid all of a sudden. He's not the same guy. What happened to the guy that was always fighting and constantly trying to get there? And now that he's got there, he's not the same. I mean, I don't know. I I I don't you look around this team, you had a lot of changes on the defensive side of the ball. Was there somebody that left on that side of the ball? That made the culture of that side. You talk about the culture. You had two new coordinators multiple different coaches on this team and a <clears throat> plethora of new players. So yeah, you might look at the head coach and say, Hey, how could you not have kept this? But as he talked about yesterday himself, you can't lead every guy the same way you get new people in here. You've got to handle them differently. And it takes a while to figure out 
who could be handled this way, who could be handled that way. And they might not have just ever figured it out. Yeah. I, I, you know, the one thing that resonated with me with Nick was that talk about leadership and, and the talk about Jalen hurts and where, what I, where I think he's right. You know, if you're leading people, Mike is the brand manager, program director, whatever, you know, is somebody going to come up to you and say, all right, stop being Mike Gill. You got to be this guy. You got to me, it's dumb. You know, uh, you, you got to be yourself. And that's what Nick said. Um, and, I, you know, from his standpoint, I think, and again, we're all reading between the lines. I think what he was trying to uh, get across was, was the culture bad? I don't know if the culture was bad. They just lost a bunch of games. And, you know, the difference between winning and losing in this league is ultra small. We always talk about parity. It's real. The difference between Kansas City and Carolina is not as big as people think it is. Obviously, it has to do with a few core players. But you can turn things around quickly in the NFL. We see it all the time. If you make right decisions, if you get the right player, if, if you can turn around things very quickly because everybody's got good players and you can go in a negative direction really quickly as the Eagles kind of showed. But the leadership aspect, I agree with Nick. Where I agree with Nick is, why are you asking Jalen Hurts to be a different person? That doesn't make sense to me. Then then you're not authentic. Then you, you come across as... Uh, something more, I think that creates more problems. If you're not being yourself, you can't be a leader if you're not being yourself, can you? No, and you know, it's funny. He said there's not a book on how to be a leader. There's plenty of books, but all of them say different things in it. That's the whole section at Barnes & Noble. You go and and go down to whatever (laughs) bookstore that they still exist and find how to be a leader by so-and-so and it's all different, but you're right in that if you're telling Jalen Hurts you've got to change your leadership style, well then, see, the, the weird part about that is is the offense didn't change. Like, that locker room stayed almost exactly the same for Jalen Hurts. So you would think that that group would have been closer and and not be, like, nobody was different in there. There, there wasn't, I mean, is Isaac Sayamala, was he missed that much? Or Miles Sanders? Were those two guys such prominent voices? Now, does the quarterback also lead the 53-man roster? And was there defections on defense that he did? I, I can't see that being like the, the the sole reason. The offensive ineptitude, uh, and that's maybe ineptitude is too strong of a word, but the offensive struggles is the more perplexing thing than anything on the defensive side of the ball. You have a new coordinator. He comes in late. He doesn't get his chance to bring his own staff in. So he's kind of scrambling around because he's here late. Then they replace the guy that side's a dumpster, but still the fact that the offense lacked fluidity all season long and still produced yet didn't look fluid in doing so to me is still perplexing and have not gotten a real solid answer. I, I know yesterday we were laughing. I was on a show last night and the host was asking about the combine and GMs and, and coaches talking. And I said, the Philly GM and coach didn't say one thing about that combine. Nobody cares about that combine right now. They want to know what the hell happened. And there's still not an answer. 
Right. And to their credit, they both manned up and, and took the questions that they did. But Eagle fans don't feel any better about it because I don't think they had the answers. I don't know that there are any answers. I don't think they know the answer. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. you're going to ask them a hundred times, but they're going to talk around it and they're not going to give you what you want. Um, but here's here's the one question I have for you, John. And you would be more capable of answering it than either Mike or myself because you're there. You're around the team. But I don't know that you can even answer this question. Do we know for a fact, and Mike kind of hinted at this, do we know for a fact that Jalen didn't change? That because he got $250 million, that he was exactly the same guy and led in the same fashion that he did the year before that they went to the Super Bowl? Well, I, 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 no, number one, we can't because he's very closed off. He's very stoic, as we all say. But, you know, the people criticizing him are the ones who are saying he didn't change. So, but that's kind of baked into it and that he should have changed because the circumstances were different. So they're arguing he should have changed and he didn't. Um, and I'm just speaking of the critics. Uh, from from the way, from everything I hear, the work ethic and all that kind of stuff. To me, that's the importance of Jalen Hurts' leadership and, and the fact, you know, some people lead by example, which Nick was kind of saying as well. Um, some people are very vocal. He's very vocal. He's very energetic. He's very emotional. He gets criticized for his emotion. Um, people are different. Uh, uh I don't think Jalen Hurts changed. Now, did his because of the contract? Did his offseason change? Yes, um, and that perhaps hurt him. I've heard that from a, a couple of circles. He didn't spend as much time. You in, know, I I said that the day signed. The only his, thing that scared me was his commitment to his offseason work. That he might be pulled in too many different directions. Yeah, and and then that whole bunch of people that chalked up his bad season. For that. Too many directions. I never pulled. was worried yes, about Hurts. That's a good phrase. Jerry. Not having enough yes. focus, but having other people say, "Yes, you know, hey, but." You got to do this endorsement. You got to do this endorsement. You're right. one of the faces of the league. That's a good way. I'm glad you said that, Jody. Pulled in in different yep. directions because I don't think it was him being. You know what? I'm going to go get a bunch of endorsements. I I, I don't think it was Jalen Hurts centric. So, I yeah, think. But, it was but the question, I guess, moving forward, that is, how do you combat that? I mean, you're Jalen Hurts. You're a 250 million dollar quarterback. Is are they going away? Is Hulu not uh, doing live sports anymore? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, that, yeah, and that's about time management and things like that. You just got to handle it, I think, a, a little bit better. And you got to make the, as Jalen would say, the main thing, the main thing. So you got to do what you need to do. And then, all right, if you got time, bring it on Hulu, bring it on whatever other endorsement. Um, so I think, yeah. I, and I think, by the way, he learned from that. He probably learned from that. And he probably will because he knows he's got to um, bounce back. I don't think there's any question about that. All right, Michael, I want to ask you one of the things that Nick Sirianni said that kind of raised the red flag for me and caught my attention as soon as he said it. Because even though I consider myself a Nick defender more than a Nick detractor, a whole bunch of people calling for Nick's head on a uh, on a platter. I was not among them. I thought that they could thread the needle and clean up the coaching staff, yet keep Sirianni in place. But one thing we did find about, out about Nick this year, when 
he deems necessary or the organization deems necessary, he's very willing, ready, and able to lie because he did about his change at defensive coordinator. He sends poor Sean Desai up there to field questions on a Tuesday as the defense coordinator. When the players knew on Monday, Matt Patricia was going to be calling the plays come uh, the Seattle game. So when necessary, Nick can flat out lie or misstate the truth. Still the craziest aspect of the whole season. That, by the way, uh, that Sean holds Sean Desai. Bizarre. Bizarre. Did not make sense to me. And right or wrong, he took the bullet at the end of the season. And even more so after the season was over and done with, with that postseason uh, sit down with Ian Howie, he goes, that was my call. It, he made that uh, very uh, apparent. That wasn't an organization thing. That wasn't a suggestion. He made the call and had to go get the blessing of those above him to do what he did to Porsche on the side. Um, I still don't know if I 100% believe that. I believe it more than I don't believe it. He sold me on that to an extent to go, do I believe him or not? I got to go with tentative, yeah. Did you know that uh, Nick Sirianni hired the new offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles? Did you know that that was no, his No, he call? said that yesterday. He, he was said like, that you know, yesterday. When yeah. I hired Kellen Moore, and Nick has been very uh, poignant about his use of pronouns because it was my offense, my <laughs> offense, my offense until it became our <laughs> offense. So he's been very good the at Eagles changing offense. pronouns when, yeah. when necessary. Yesterday was when I hired Kellen Moore. You yeah, buying well, that, Gil? Um, that's a good question. Am I like the one thing though about Sirianni that I have where I'm like you, Jody, I'm willing to give the guy the bet when they hired the guy. I mean, at the time the team seemed to be a mess, and you hire this young guy, and you're like, Where did they even find this guy? I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Fine. And what I really what what made me kind of lean towards Nick as okay, this guy gets it, um, is when the team was two and five, and he said we got to scrap this and, and start running the ball. Like he understood what we are and what we can't do, and I give him a lot of credit for that year of giving up the play calling and totally shifting the offense to a more run oriented offense, and that got that team that probably had no business being in the playoffs to the playoffs the very next year they grow from a nine and eight wild card team to a super bowl legitimately were probably the better team in the game so i do think nick is adjustable and adaptable john you would probably know how stubborn he is more so than what my like i don't view the guy as like some stubborn ox that's just unwilling to move so when he says i hired him did he look at himself and say look we're at the point of the two and five team where I got to change something or it's my ass. And that he was willing to bring in a guy like Kellen Moore, who, you know, quite frankly, has a lot of different principles than he does. Right. I mean, Kellen Moore's yeah. offense look a lot like Nick Sirianni's offense. So I don't find it to be so far fetched, although I guess it's so ingrained in our minds, Jody, that this, that, that Nick is the puppet and that this organization's yeah. front office it's just not, holds it's not all true. the strings. I, I mentioned this on yesterday's show, and I, you know, I joked Albert Breer, Breer will probably, because Peter King's not around anymore, Albert will probably confirm this six years from now, and everybody will finally believe it. So to Jody's point, he said, I hired Kellen Moore. Yes, Nick Sirianni hired Kellen Moore. 
Now, there's a layered aspect to it in that he was told he had to hire somebody. Um, he was told he had to go outside the family, um, so to speak, to get a new play caller. Um, so there's some uh, caveats put on it. And then you get the group of, of candidates and how he's responsible for that. Uh, so that's his part in it. And that's where you hear Cliff Kingsbury and ended up being Kellen Moore. And those were the two top candidates and everybody else they interviewed. Um, so it's, you know, people have their roles. But to this point, Nick Sirianni has been given the rope, whatever, to hire the coaches. So the candidates are there. And then it's up to Nick who he wants to hire. Now, from a couple reports, from what I heard, a couple other people heard, number one on the list was Cliff Kingsbury. Um, and, and you know, at the time, we said Cliff wanted too much autonomy and the Eagles had to go in a different direction. Not that they were going to hire him, but when they interviewed him, he was probably the leader in the clubhouse. That didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time because I was thinking, well, Lurie's going to, probably force him to fire a bunch of people to scapegoat a bunch of people um ended up no everybody's back essentially with the exception of the 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 quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator so it was very targeted so you all have all these Nick Sirianni people and I'm saying well if Cliff Kingsbury is complaining about not wanting Jeff Stoutland all right there's the door I get it but no it was not only Jeff Stoutland it was the, the running backs coach, the wide receivers coach, the tight end coach, everybody's coming back except the play caller and the quarterback coach. So uh, it was very targeted. Nick did hire him, but there was that layered aspect of it as you have to go outside the family. You cannot, if we're up to Nick, Brian Johnson would be here. So that's the layered aspect of it. Right. Like, as they always type and say, it's a collaborative uh, decision. Everybody, it's almost like uh, the battles of who makes the lineup for the baseball team. Is it the manager? Is it the front office? Eh, they all sit down and look at the freaking numbers and they put together the lineup for the day based on who's pitching and that guy's numbers against them. Yada, yada. This is a similar situation. You can't bring Brian Johnson back. Pick five guys that you like, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll go that route. And I'm sure, you know, these are guys that Nick probably had some approval of, even if you – even if you're – no, he had nothing to do with this. He had to have some say of, hey, I, I, have a, I would be interested in these five guys. John, let me – I'm totally you. surprised, Jody, to hear him – a little hearing him say, I heard what you heard. And, and I was like, well, that was kind of interesting. Like, um, cause we all just assume again, I go back to that. We'd all just assume that Howie and Jeffrey run everything. And yeah. even if not run everything, uh, be a strong guiding hand. I was very surprised by his use of the word. I, and John, you mentioned Kingsbury and he may at one point have been, we know he was interviewed first before Kellen Moore. So if that makes him the number one choice, cause he's had an interview and nobody else has, so be it. Did anyone else get a formal interview? And I'm talking about actually showing up on campus, not a zoom thing other than Kingsbury and Moore. 
Did they yeah, have for, for coordinate? Remember, for coordinators, you have to uh, interview people. You have to. The Rooney Rule extends to coordinators now. So I I had the list. I forget the list now, but I'll try to look it up. Um, but yeah, yeah, they interview. It wasn't just Cliff Kingsbury and Kellen Moore. Um, and they you have to interview uh, people uh, by by rule. So. But they were the two, it was, as it explained to me, it wasn't even, like, I don't want to say they wanted to hire Cliff Kingsbury. I would say it was 1A and 1B, and then when things went in a negative direction with Cliff Kingsbury, they quickly went to Kellen Moore and sewed it up. So it's not like they didn't like Kellen Moore, and they could have went further in the second interview with Cliff Kingsbury, might have said something else they didn't like, they might have shifted to Kellen Moore. So I'm not saying they wanted Cliff Kingsbury above all else. It's just he was sort of the leader in the clubhouse. And at, at the time, it was explained to me about autonomy. And that surprised me because I immediately went to Stoutland. Well, who doesn't, you know, who would complain about having Jeff Stoutland as their offensive line coach? And the answer is probably nobody and probably not Cliff Kingsbury either. But everybody else was coming along as well. The, the entire offensive coaching staff essentially besides the quarterback coach and the, 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 the actual coordinator job. Mike, let me run something by you that kind of surprised me from how he wrote me yesterday. I, I want to get back to something John and I were discussing about the championship guys and how they're handled uh, Kelsey and, and Cox and, and BG. Uh, but even before that, Another guy who I thought knew they were going to be, he was going to be asked about and was interested to see what he said was James Bradbury. And he went down the road of, you know, we might have screwed up Bradbury's season by playing him at the nickel in the early stages in camp. And how many snaps did he get in nickel in actual games, John? Like the first couple weeks, maybe a handful? Uh, Way too many that when first. the, uh, The Tampa game. Yeah, I, I, way too many. I'll look it up though. But yeah, uh, yeah well, way there was, too many. um, you know, uh, I guess this was two or three weeks ago. Um, you know, we have the segment on, on my show, Football at Four, with the Inside the Birds guys, and and Jeff Mosher was on saying, you know, there was a they're reporting that somebody on the in the secondary they didn't even talk to the coach, and I have to imagine. By process of elimination, it almost says James Bradbury did not get along with Sean Desai and did not like his role in the defense. Um, so I, I find that whole Bradbury thing, because everybody just assumes, right, Jody, they're going to find a way to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. He's got $9 million contract. And Howie Rose was like, no, he's in our plans. And I'm wondering if they saw and said, this guy has more left in the tank. They just used him poorly. And we don't view that spot as a place we need to upgrade because we're all assuming oh it'll go out and get Ladarius Sneed or they'll draft a young corner that doesn't mean they don't have to draft a young corner both of those guys are in their 30s but do the Eagles view Bradbury as a guy who's lost a couple steps and fell off or that he was just used wrong by the two defensive coordinators that they I- have? I remember when they were talking about it in training camp, and the number was 127, Jody. He played 127 snaps in the slot. In the slot. Um, that's, that's over 17 games. It's not a lot, but those 127 yeah. weren't spread over 17 games. No, 
they were in a group of games early on in the season. So maybe I don't know how he had the injury. right to use that as an explanation. The yeah, same, and I've said that on the show. And by the way, when Slade went hurt, they moved him to the left corner. They were moving him all over the place, and it didn't make sense for what type of player he was. Um, so from that standpoint, I've argued if you want to play devil's advocate, just put him at right corner, let him play zone with Vic Fangio, and I bet he has a bounce-back year. Is he going to be a second-team All-Pro? Probably not, but I bet she has a bounce back year. So from the Eagles' perspective, I think it's about, look, he's under contract is how he said. It's a big number. You can't, if you do release him, it's got to be post-June 1st anyway. So why not wait? It's not the best thing for the player. If the draft board falls your way and you're able to get one of the top corners that you like in the draft in the first round, all right, then you release him post-June 1st and go in a different direction. But if you can't, if the board falls in a different direction, you got James Bradbury who's probably going to have a bounce back season. Well, with a what good are we supposed board. to make? What are we supposed to make, if anything, then of um, Xavier and Howard and Jalen uh, Ramsey complaining about the way Vic Fangio used them last year? Well, I brought that on up on yesterday's show as well. What that tells you is stop talking about uh, Snead. Uh, who the Eagles, uh, who the Chiefs are are, are talking about tagging and trading? Um, you know the Eagles, Louisiana Tech guys are supposedly yeah. texting him. You don't want Snead. You don't want to pay nineteen million dollars for a zone corner. That's dumb. Uh, you know it, 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 it doesn't make any sense. And you you as you bring up Jalen Ramsey, what does Jalen Ramsey do well? He might be the best press corner and uh, cover corner in football. Not happy in that defense. Xavier Howard, big-time player, press corner in his prime. Not happy in that defense. What makes you think Snead's going to be happy in that defense, coming right. off what he was able to do in Kansas well, City? Well, then the, the question is, will Slay and Bradbury like their roles in this defense? Well, Bradbury will love it. Will okay. Slay love it? Probably well, not. At I, all. I guess then, John, the, the – But he's already the, been in it, Slay. But here's, here's my question to you, John. Was this not a Fangio defense this year? I get it. Yes. The man himself is going to be coaching it. So right. it was a Fangio defense. So Bradbury sucked in a Fangio defense. Why are we going to believe just because Fangio comes in and is actually going to be the guy on the headsets that he's, all, he's going because to recover? Fangio, the one of the criticism, uh, criticisms about Sean Desai was he threw too much at, at the players. Uh, and he took it to a ludicrous degree as far as coverages, and you heard it from Slay twice after the Rams game, after the first Cowboys game. Uh, you heard it from Kevin Byer. You know, you got to simplify this, especially for the younger players. The point that I was trying to make about Bradbury, from, from day one in, in training camp when they moved him, I'm like, why are you moving James Bradbury to the slot? Even – why? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Well, that's that's Jody. Your question was was essentially, you know, did Gannon run something different that Fangio runs that runs something different? Like, yeah, they all have their tweaks, but you would think the coverages would be pretty uniform. No, right. right. My 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 argument, and there's uh, maybe Bradbury lost the step. Yeah, you know, maybe he's not the same. He's at that age where you have to start thinking seriously that maybe the decline is here. I'm not saying a hundred percent, but I'm saying Fangio. But it did. He looked like he lost two steps. I mean, well, that's possible. And and then you have an issue, and that's where the evaluation comes in. 
But Fangio, I think, is smart smart enough to say, all right, you're playing right corner, sit out there and play. And I think that helps Bradbury. That's that's all I'm saying. That's, How much more man this year, John, would you say they ran as compared to last year with Cannon and his amount that he ran zone? And how much more zone or man do you think they'll play this year with Fangio? Comparing <clears throat> this past year to the year before it and projecting forward. They're, to the year they're all, if you look at the blitz rates, it's the same scheme. They'll just be better prepared for it. They'll just do it better. But the so numbers they didn't will play be very, more man no, this year. That, no. that would be an inaccurate statement. No, yeah, no that would be an inaccurate. What they did was they yeah. moved people around all over the place. And they probably threw, instead of just, you know, playing quarters, 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 they're playing quarters, cover two, cover six. They're going back and forth too much, and and, and that creates miscommunication. And I think that that is sort of the, the, the problem with, I think, what was going on. And you heard it from Slay, as I said, on two occasions. You heard it from Kevin Byard as well late in the season. Um too much, too much trying to be, you know, the smartest guy in the room trying to do, I'm going to catch him. I'm going to fool him instead of just playing sound right. fundamental technique football. It's the guy yeah. that goes on shark tank with a great idea and then starts telling the sharks about the five other ideas he has. They're like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got a good idea right here. Yeah. Let's not uh, go with the other five just yet. Yeah. You got the 10 And especially when you, when you have to play, when you have to play Sidney Brown, who's a safety playing slot corner, when you have to play Eli Ricks playing slot corner, when you have to and young players, when you have to bring in Kaylee Ringo late in the season, and you're throwing all this stuff at these guys, and you see all these busted coverages, yeah, that's where I think they had an issue with Sean Desai. And oh, by the way, I'll give Howie a little bit of credit and a nod here. He took a bullet for that yesterday. He said. You did. Yeah, maybe I didn't give them enough to work with. with you and the, Andy Reid. I got to do a better job. Right, with the with the slot corners, because uh, uh, shockingly, Monte Maddox got hurt. Who could have seen that happening? Yeah. Well, uh, Jody, Jody, you know, you're a baseball guy. You know, the, the Eagles over a, a, a period of time, it was like a baseball GM saying, throw me a single A arm in every trade and just so I can maybe – I mean, they got like a Tay Gowan and a Mac McCain. And yeah. Every, oh, yeah. I love a Mac trade, McCain reference. Every trade had some corner in it, and none of them panned out. Not Gary Vincent Jr. Don't forget Gary Vincent Jr. Uh, I, I Vincent. went as far back as I, I yeah. gave you Mac McCain and Tay Gowan. Come that on. That was very credit. good. Very good. Both yeah. both guys who, uh, thanks for the memories, uh, I would yeah. agree with. All right. Speaking of thanks for the memories. Are we going to be saying that about uh, Hassan Reddick in the next two or three months? Yes, hey, how we had the chance to kind of stem the tide. Best case scenario, yeah, we got a deal done with Hassan. He didn't. He went off on a tangent about, hey, he's a Philly guy. He's a Camden guy. He's a Temple guy. It's nice that you've got his resume down, Howie, but I don't care about his resume. I care about being an Eagle Green again next year. He didn't exactly give me confidence that this is going to be a negotiating ploy by allowing him to go yeah. out and check his uh, value on the open market that's going to end up with a favorable result for Hassan Reddick staying in Philadelphia. 
And Sirianni, same thing. He kind of just uh, repeated himself over and over and over. It, it, you know, if you watch Ryan Poles give his uh, exhortation about the field situation, he pretty much answered it every which way without saying, we're going to trade him by the end of the week here. Like, what other choice do I have? It, Roseman seemingly passed it over to Sirianni to say the same thing. Like, guys, we want him back here, but you never know what's going to happen. And, and and there was no, like, firm, we want him and we'll do whatever we need to take. You know, we'll, we'll talk to Hassan. I got more of the feeling of if we get the right deal, he, we'll take it. Yeah. Same, same with, I got the feeling it's about budget and if it yep. goes to a certain number, uh, yep. they don't want him back. That's kind of the feeling I get. Um, what feeling did you get when, and not, not even about Jason Kelsey, because we know Jason Kelsey is either going to play for the Eagles or he's going to be in. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. broadcast booth somewhere but Fletcher Cox I think you know it was more open-ended he might go play somewhere else but how he kind of said you know what if he's not going to play it's going to be in this uniform or not uh what did you take of that assessment and does that lean you towards Fletcher's probably going to retire because in the same conversation how he was talking about how many good young defensive tackles he has and those guys got to play yeah. Um, yeah, the Fletcher, because I had Fletcher on at the Super Bowl and he was sitting right across from me. So I, and I tried to read some body language. He looked like a good guy. Luck with who, that, yeah, good luck with that is right. He, he was wearing a camo with a hat and he sat back <laughs> and he just, he gave no indication. He said, you never know. Don't know. You never know. Like he, I asked him four different ways. We tried to get something out of him, and he just would not budge. Um, with Fletcher, you had the feeling last couple years when he had been, you know, they they released him and then they brought him back. And then last year, he, that he would go someplace else, like that he would get an yeah. offer and go somewhere. <laughs> and I still think that he probably could get that offer and go. But I do think it's whether or not he wants to keep playing or not is, is the bigger thing here. Now, after last year, you would wonder, why is that even a question? 
and you would think the Eagles could use him on a lesser role. But the question, I guess, for him is, does he want to play at a lesser role salary? That's the bigger thing for Fletcher for me. Does he want to be the guy that is Brandon Graham one year, four and a half million or eight million, even to, you know, I think Fletcher <clears throat> thinks that he's still a big money player. And I don't know. And, that and oh, by the way, are you going to disagree with him on that? Quick question for John McMullen and uh, Mike Gill. Who is the most consistent defensive player for the Philadelphia Eagles this year? Not best, most consistent defensive player for the Philadelphia Eagles. Hmm. I mean, Fletcher is in the conversation. If it's not him, he's in the conversation. conversation. No question. And the big questions for me, man, I know we got to probably get ready to roll, but there's so many things with Fangio. How does he view Jordan Davis? Does he say, that's a guy I can't wait to get my hands on? Does he look at Jalen Carter and say, that's a guy. Now, I figure he wants to get Jalen Carter. Yeah, everybody Carter wants to get Carter and Davis coexist together in his mind. And if you bring Fletcher Cox back, what does that do to Davis? Because I think what Fangio views from Davis is a big key here. Does he say 20% snaps, Busteroni, first-round pick? Stupid no. Out. He sees or, a, I know what Bick sees with Jordan Davis. He sees all right, a well, team head. There we go. He sees Akeem Hicks, hopefully, uh, who he had in Chicago. But uh, with with um, with Jalen Carter, yeah. I, I but Jody's point to consistency, yeah, probably was the most consistent Eagle. It was a bad defensive year, and Slay was hurt. Um, so so how do you how do you ask your most consistent player? Yeah, we're gonna need you to take a hometown discount now. Even though there's a team out there that's willing to pay you ten million again next year, we're gonna ask you to pay for play for five for us. If I'm Fletcher Cox, I got something to sell to you here. Yeah, no, I'm not taking a hometown discount. I was the most consistent player on your defense, and you want me to take a pay cut? No, thank you. Someone else is willing to make me whole. No, thank you. I know how he said. Well, we got to keep him in our uniform. Well, you're not you're not showing me the love by asking me to play for less, Mike Gill. If you're Fletcher Cox, why would you say, "Yeah, fine, give me whatever you want. I got to play one more year, and I got to do it." Yeah, I, I don't. I think don't buy that. I don't think he's in the Brandon Graham camp where he just wants to come back just to uh, accrue seasons under his belt uh, for whatever price uh, the two team the two sides are willing to agree on. I think Fletcher's saying, "I'll, I'll play." I'm not playing just as a guy dog and pony show here to wave to the sideline. I, I, I'm playing because you you want to play me. You want me to be a part of the rotation. Yeah. At Mike Gill's show, make sure you follow Mike on X, Twitter, the Sports Bash every afternoon. If you're local in South Jersey, 97.3, I uh, can listen to Mike there. Um, since we were talking about Fletcher, I'll end it with Big Fangio. Uh, how he was asked, uh, is Bick going to have in a big import oh, on, yes. on personnel? And he yeah. kind of chuckled. <laughs> he thinks he so. Thinks he will. <laughs> well, think so. What did, what did, what did you think? I mean, look, how he, how he's going to take Bick's what Bick wants into account, but how he's going to take, you know, yeah, and I think he kind of proved that. Is that the way you saw it? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, the way I described it is, Sean Desai got here late and didn't have a big voice to say, these are the guys I like. These are the guys I need. These are the guys that I've uh, fit my system. Vic Fangio can come in and I think has a big enough presence and voice and relationship with Howie that he's been here enough to say, hey, Howie, 
I'm telling you, if you can get insert name Van Ginkle, I know what he can be in this defense. Let's go get him. You know, we're decide who could he have really vouched for last year? Who was he going to go out? There's multiple guys on the free agent market who have played for Vic Fangio. I mean, Josie yeah. Jewell, hey, there's a linebacker <clears throat> yeah. in Denver, Howie. We need a linebacker. I'm telling you, you get that guy, and that will change the – so he's got a much stronger case, and that's based on multiple things. He's been around the league. You have more context. When he got here as opposed to decide. So he's got a lot of built-in advantages. All right, last one for me, Mike, and I'm going to ask you a question that you can – I'll ask you again next week. And the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that, all the way up until the first game of the season. And feel free to change your mind on a weekly basis if you so desire. But I need an answer today. I don't think Nick Sirianni gave DeAndre Swift a whole hell of a lot of support yesterday. He was asked about no. the running game, and he said, you know, we run the football pretty damn well every single year. In other words, in certain Sounds like Mike Gill, Mike Gill and Jody McDonald can run, and we're going to have a top 10 running. Yeah, I was a pretty good running back at one point, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Not, not yours truly. Um, so uh, it, it wasn't a ringing endorsement of bringing Swift back. Um, so the question is this week, next week, week after. The man who will get most touches out of the backfield, either handed it to him, tossed to him, flipped to him, whatever else, for the Philadelphia Eagles next year will be. Who might go? Uh, well, it's funny because yesterday he did mention Gainwell. Um, is that the Trey Sermon mention that you got mentioned? In- now they love Kenny. That's legit. Right. They love well, Kenny. remember last year he mentioned, so he went out of his way to mention Trey oh, Sermon. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Don't even yeah. ask him about Trey yeah. Sermon. Where, where did that come the, from? Default Trey Sermon. When in yeah. doubt, default to Trey Sermon. Uh, we talked about running backs last week because I mentioned Eckler and Pollard, and nobody got tagged. So that'll be another story because I don't think any of those running backs are going to get what they want. So, and that bring... brings down the cost for Swift because Swift, right? Is not... Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's something yeah. I discussed yesterday. Is now Swift's price has to go down because there's five other guys whose price who just went down. Uh, so for week one, yeah, if you're see, asking, t- time out, time out, Philadelphia, time out, NFL. I think that's a misnomer. Ooh, if a guy doesn't get tagged, that means everybody's price goes down. No, it doesn't. It just means no, the pieces I, are going to move I, around I the mean, board. Uh, the, the, Giants, not... the Giants could have, or we'll use Pollard because Mike said Pollard. The, the, the Cowboys could have tagged Pollard. They didn't. Well, guess what? Now, if they can't retain Pollard, they need a back. So they're going to pay for a back. You didn't create a way. Not, not $12 greater, million, they're not. Well, I understand, but somebody's got to be your lead back going into. No, the season, my right? my only point in bringing that up is those five guys on the market, those four or five guys on the market, and there are four are, or five more teams on the market for a lead back who would have not needed a lead back if they had franchised their guys. So the market stays the same. Yeah, I I see. I disagree because it's not monetarily. It's, yeah, whether it's you know Dallas, yes. Uh, if they sign Tony Pollard, they sign Tony Pollard, and it doesn't create a new role if they go out and get Saquon Barkley or whether they're not going to. But you get my point. It doesn't create those those five guys are going first, are getting more money. Maybe not Eckler, because Eckler's had a really down year, a lot of touches, a lot of tread off the tire. Uh, maybe not Eckler, but the the big four, they're getting more money. 
then then that's all I mean. That, that doesn't matter where it lands. Same amount of teams are going to be looking for running backs, but those guys are getting more money than DeAndre Swift, and that in theory should bring the price down for DeAndre, at least a little bit. Yeah, I don't agree with that theory. I think his money will be what his money is. There is the same number of teams that need the well, same number Well, last year, backs. Sanders got, what, $6 million six, a year? Six and a half, basically. Yeah. The Swift, yeah. is, what's the, that's the over-under, Jody. Yeah, is Swift, Swift is going to be under that. But Swift was going to be under that if if Barkley got tagged and, and uh, Jacobs got tagged and Eckler got tagged and Henry got tagged. He's going to be under anyway. He's yeah. not getting my Miles got I, the money. He didn't come close to earning the money. So the league as a whole is going to go. Yeah, that probably why hurt. Why would we go DeAndre. there? Yeah, that had a bigger hurt. effect than what DeAndre is going to make than what DeAndre did or what other guys get did or didn't get. And, I, and by the way, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily know if DeAndre Swift wants to come back. I think the assumption is because he's a Philly guy that he wants to come back because he had a career year. I do not think he likes the way he was used in this offense. Um, and they, they're going to have to do some lobbying about the passing game. Now, maybe they can do that with Kellen Moore, who's got a bigger history of getting the ball to the back. Maybe they can say, we're going to get you the ball. Um, but I, I don't even know if DeAndre wants to come back, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Boston Scott was the highest paid back on this team last year. I get you know, the, what what's the limit of how high? Like, even if Swift said, I want to be back and I'll take less, even if he says I'll take less, that number is probably higher than the Eagles want to pay. That's true, too. That's true, too. So, okay. I, I think it's unlikely he returns. I do, but and we'll I see. Now, I will second-guess the Eagles. I'm sorry. They have devalued the running back. You're telling me that DeAndre Swift well, – well, give me the numbers, both of you two guys. What do you think is the top dollar value the Eagles will go for a running back anywhere? Three, four million. I was going to say three top, and a half. Three top, and a half. Top, top, and top. top. Money, and, and that's why I said last week, a guy like Eckler, if he's just sitting there and no one's – nobody, and he's still hanging out in the third phase of free agency – that's where you say, hey, three and a half million for a year. You can come play here. You know the offense. And that's how they end up with a guy right, like well, that. Then I'll ask each of you guys. Same price tag, three and a half million. Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift. They both want to play. They're both willing to take three and a half million as their salary. Which one would you prefer for the Eagles? I would take Swift because I think I, th I think Eckler is – I think, I I think he's washed. I think the Eagles should avoid him at all costs. He so, is – he is he, with the pandering because you know I think a lot of people would hear the name Eckler and get excited and think yeah. that he's a big addition, but I think Swift and I'm not the biggest Swift guy in the world either, um, but I think Swift's a better, more dynamic. Eckler Eckler's turning 29 in May, so number one, he's getting near 30 for the running back position. Uh, he's touched it over 1,400 times. I would run from him. If you have a running back, have him run from Austin Eckler. Yeah. I, I, I don't think the Eagles will even even think about Austin Eckler. So you think Kellen Moore is going to have less to say about Well, but Kellen was only there for one year, and Eckler went backwards and on him. By the way, oh. I, I think a lot of people, that's another thing. I think a lot of people, and I know we're keeping it. I apologize, Mike. I think a lot of people assume because somebody was with somebody at some spot, Kellen Moore saw Austin Eckler average three and a half yards per carry. He might right. be the first guy saying, guess no what, thanks. guys? He's not the same player. <laughs> right. Uh, 
Exactly right. Uh, Mike Gill, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much. You look good in your Arizona colors this week. Can't wait to see what you roll out for us uh, next week. The well-traveled Mike Gill here with us on Birds 365. We'll catch Mike next week. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. You guys. Birds fans, here's your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you need to do. Call one of the two managing general partners, Jim or Fran, and tell them you're a friend of Jacob Sports and Birds 365. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at Del Valle Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you with over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. 
Mac and Mac here, Jody McDonald and John McMullen on Birds 365. Uh, appreciate your streaming on in and hitting us up with your comments on the stream. A couple of interesting ones today. Um, I had a the comment via Twitter last night on my show on WIP, John, which I thought was interesting at first, but then the more I thought about it, I said, yeah, no, that's too much. Uh, get your take on it. You mentioned him earlier, Lejarius Sneed who you said you don't necessarily think would be a fit for what his price tag is going to be for the Eagles defense, that he's kind of like some of the guys down in Miami who played under Vic, who weren't happy with the way he used his secondary because that's just not his system, playing a lot of press corner and up in guys' faces. And that is certainly part of uh, LeGarrette Sneed's game. But he's just an all-around talented player, too, who I think if you put him in a zone defense, a Fangio-type defense, would be really good at it. It might not be his favorite. It might not give him the chance to show off his skills because he's as talented and varied a player as he is, but doesn't mean that he would fail it, and I think he'd be very good in it. Is he worth $19 million to just be a Fangio corner, though? That's a, yeah. a legitimate question. So someone ran this by me last night. If the and I was surprised the Chiefs did that. Let me start there. Were you surprised the Chiefs let it leak out or uh, they plant the information, whatever? I uh, don't know how it came down, not close enough to the situation. They would think about throwing the franchise tag on Sneed and then turn around and trading him, which is certainly better than that's why anyone who suggests, oh, we can get Sneed via free agency, he was never seeing free agency. There was no way the Kansas City Chiefs were going to let him walk out the door and get nothing in exchange for him. That was overly optimistic. Oh, we can sign him as a free agent. No, you can't. He's never going to hit free agency. So they said they, at least the report said, they could tag him and trade him. Is there any way that a trade for Legereus need for Hassan Reddick works? Because the Eagles are in the same position with Hassan Reddick. Oh, go out and check the market. We'll see what we get in uh, return for you in a trade. Could a trade between the Chiefs and the Eagles for those two players work? Um, I'm trying to think about it. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. From the standpoint of one, I you know, I have to. The Chiefs have some pretty good young pass rushers. Now the one kid got hurt. Um, I don't know how serious it is, uh, but obviously Carl Optis is kind of turning a corner. Uh, we know how much they're going to play, uh, pay Chris Jones. Uh, it's going to be astronomical. Now he's an inside player, but still <clears throat> you're talking about, remember, <clears throat> I was talking about these things, don't ha don't happen in a vacuum. You 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 got a budget. You got a you're you're spending a lot of money at that particular position, and all that kind of stuff. Well, and they're not the spending at that position. They're they're spending it on other positions. But the Chiefs aren't paying anybody coming. Well, off the defensive edge right line, now. defensive line is what I'm talking about. Okay. So you have to you you and and again, I should say defensive front for all the you know what's on the stream. Um, I'm, I'm talking about edge players. I'm not, you know, who's the same linebacker? Um, those idiots. 
but you get my point, Jeff. Uh, I I don't think I don't think it's a fit for either side. A, I don't think I think the Eagles are too smart to bring Legarius Sneed in the Vic Fangio's defense. I think now how he likes to make splashes. Maybe he takes the assessment you just took. It's just a good player. You put a good player in any system, he's going to be a good player. But I would put, and I know this for a fact because he's told me, Nick Sirianni thinks the best cornerback in football is Jalen Ramsey, the most talented cornerback in football. It don't that get, Sirianni says this? Yes, yes. It, it don't get better than Jalen Ramsey. Now, he's getting up there, I don't know, it's the seventh, eighth year. Maybe he's not at the height of what he once was, but he is a big-time talent. I mean, no offense to Legarius Sneed. He's not Jalen Ramsey. Um, and he didn't like playing in that defense. I, I don't think Legarius Sneed's going to like playing in, in this defense. Um, because of what he does well. And I, I go, you can go all the way back to Namdi Asma. It, 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 you bring in a player at 19 million, say it might even be more than that, but say $19 million a year, whatever. You bring it, the expectations ramp up. He's got to be one of the best corners in football. How do you be one of the best corners in football? when you're not doing what you did in Kansas city um, and he was given the opportunity to make plays and he was given the opportunity to stand out in coverage and shut people down. How do you, how do you become a player worth $19 million? I think it's raw. I, I did a thing on for sports illustrated pits and misses um, for each neat position of need. Austin Eckler, I had it in there as a miss for the reasons we just talked about. Yep. Need I had in there for these reasons I'm talking about. Not a fit here. Great player. I'm not trying to insult the player. Just not a fit here. So I I I don't I don't like it from a number of different directions, but I don't think either team would be interested in adding. Well, one of the reasons the Chiefs are are looking to tag and trade Sneed, they want something obviously back. But they they have their own crunch. They don't want to lose a nineteen and bring in a twenty five million dollar player. So I don't think it fits from either direction. Understood. Um, but one thing you said was really interesting to me. I'd never heard this that Nick Sirianni was outspoken that Jalen Ramsey was the best corner in the National Football League. So if Jalen Ramsey heard that, and wanted to play with Nick Sirianni, what would Nick Sirianni do? Say. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I know you're the best cornerback in football, but you can't play in my system because I'm a Fangio guy. I believe in not giving up the big plays. I believe in zone concepts. Sorry about that, big guy. You may be the best cornerback uh, in the league, but you can't play for me. Would Sirianni really do that? Um, probably not. It, you know, if, uh, everything. Then why wouldn't he do the same thing for Sneed? Because they're not the same. With all due respect to Legere, they're not. Yeah, the you same. know what? They're not the same on the birth certificate, too. Yeah, I mean, he's not. If I can take one of those two guys for the next four years, I'm taking Sneed. That's fine, but yeah, I, I, yeah, he doesn't think of Legere. He, he thinks very highly of Jalen Ramsey, very, 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 very highly, as in, you know, and, and bring up somebody else. It, it, he he thinks 
he thinks more of Jalen Ramsey than he thinks of just about any other cornerback, even his own cornerbacks, which he would never admit in public. But he thinks he's the best cornerback in football. But is that, that is that not weird if Sirianni, and he has steadfastly said, even when Gannon went out the door before they decided on the side, uh, we, 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 this is the way we play. I believe in don't give up chunk plays. And he signed, sealed, and delivered. We're sticking with this type of system, zone-based, heavy zone, not worried about getting up and pressing guys in the coverage. If he feels that strongly about defense and the way you should deploy your secondary, how do you like a get up in their face, check them on the line of scrimmage? Um, well, man, it wouldn't be, he wouldn't be—he wouldn't be the first guy. He, uh, as I often point out, he often uh, contradicts himself in the same press and, conference. And I'm sorry, Nick, times, if it's but... my job to point out when you do come uh, off as a hypocrite. Eh, sorry, Nick. There, there's, there's. Look, there's certain guys, and well, you know, you bring it, and he, you know, when he talked about it, uh, and and you're right, he is getting older. That's why I brought up one of the points. Um, you know, when he was in with the Rams and you had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, you had you had the best defensive player, the best defensive front player. You had the best cornerback in football um, at the same time, which rarely happens. Uh, when you have different that, – that that's kind of my point. There's certain guys I, – I covered one of them, was Randy Moss. You, you can compare other wide receivers during Randy Moss's era. They're not comparable. They're good players. They're not comparable. Jalen Ramsey's in that category. So with all oh, due respect. No, he's not Randy Moss. Yes, Come on. he is. Amongst, no, not. Amongst NFL players, he is. And that's what I'm saying. Amongst NFL players, NFL coaches, boy, you, yeah, I get the feeling you don't understand how much they, they value uh, that talent of Jalen Ramsey. Um, yeah, he's different. He's different. So it's not it's not a comparison from that standpoint. As far as and again, I'm not picking on Legarius Sneed, but um yeah, I I I don't think I don't think he's a fit as a as a zone corner. Uh I think Jalen Ramsey could play it and be effective as he did with the Dolphins. They were a completely different team when he was on the field versus when he was off the field because he was injured. Um, early in the season with the meniscus, um, they were when he came back, they were a completely different team, uh, which is rare with a cornerback. Um, and he didn't like it, and and he's still good at it. The and that's the thing, the, the, they might not like it, but they could still be good at it. There are other guys who are all right, that's a press corner, that's his own. Bradbury's his own corner. Um, if you ask him to press, good luck. Then you got, you know, everybody's complaining. Uh, he got dusted by so-and-so by Puka Nakua. And the rest actually good coverage, but I was laughing at people. You know, you don't ask people what they don't do well. You ask people what they do do well, but there are certain guys that can do everything well. doesn't mean they're happy with it. I just go back to Minka Fitzpatrick when he got traded from, ironically, the Dolphins to the Steelers. I remember because Malcolm Jenkins was still here, and I tell this story all the time. Malcolm loved that Jim Swartz let him play different positions. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, different guys loved have it. different he, ways. He, he, took it, he took it as a challenge. It kept him engaged. He, 
He just enjoyed it. And the Dolphins wanted to do that with Mika Fitzpatrick. And Mika was like, I don't want to do that. I want to play center field. And there's got there's guys who just have different mentalities and um, look at things in different ways. And, boy, I, I see – and if Snead comes here, he's a good player. I'm not trying – but, I boy, the expectations, Jody, I think it would be a disaster. I really do. In this okay. scheme, I think it would be a disaster. I just wanted to run it by you, but uh, it that does surprise me. I apparently you're in uh, lockstep with uh, Nick Sirianni. Well, part of the reason so, I'm in lockstep so far is to comp him to Randy Moss, Randy Moss, first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't even know that Jalen Ramsey is a Hall of Famer. Certainly not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Jalen Ramsey isn't the cornerbacks in his era what Randy Moss was to wide receivers in, in his era. I, Boy, I, I, I neither mean, you only, nor Nick Sirianni can convince me of that. He's he's only been playing for whatever seven eight years. So I'm talking. You know, would you have said the same thing with uh, Randy in his seventh season if I would have said? You know, so he's in, it's different. Now we know the hindsight. So what does he play? One, two, three, four, five, six, eight, eight seasons of Jalen Ramsey. Uh, seven, seven Pro Bowls, three All-Pros, two uh, second team. So five All-Pros. I mean, what? Do I, yes, he is. He is the preeminent corner of his generation, which is right now. He is the preeminent corner of of this generation of football. Now, part of it is that he bounced around, and that also happened with Randy. You know, Randy started in Minnesota. Then he got angry about a certain something, and, and he had the – I think he went to Oakland, I think, first and ultimately. So he started bouncing around. Um, and people would hold that against him. Jalen has bounced around a little bit because he's had issues. But as far as on the field, man, I wish you could hear people discuss him because I think it would change your sentiment. Not even close. Um, Randy Moss is the second best receiver in the history of the National. Oh, League. I agree with that. I, I don't believe we're when his career is over and done with. If you tell me that. He's going to be a candidate for defensive player of the year in year nine with a new defense squadron down in Miami who may just come in and go, yeah, whatever you want, Jalen, we'll build the defense around you. Not happening. Well, nobody's building Even if they did that, I don't think he's going to be a candidate for defensive player of the year. So there's no way he's getting in the well, room. That, 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 nobody, nobody. Randy never. No, Randy was not. Guess what? Adrian Peterson and I covered that team. Adrian Peterson was the MVP. Randy Moss was never the MVP. Randy Moss is more of a generational player. He pay, plays a position where you can't be, you can't build an offense around a wide receiver. Uh, the Eagles did. And by the way, AJ Brown, um, you can see the difference between the Eagles offense with AJ Brown and, and not AJ Brown, AJ Brown has talked to me about every great corner in football. And AJ's uh, the kind of guy who's got so much confidence in himself. You know, he thinks he can beat anybody, uh, you know, and I'll ask him about particular corners in a particular game. 
and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but it's basically like, nah, I, uh, you know, he's not that good. He's that, he's not that, not Ramsey. He's like, yeah, he's good. He's good. Um, you know, so I, hey, part of it is the way coaches and players talk about the player. I always say, and it could be different levels too. Randy's an all time great. I'm not trying to dismiss Randy. I'm with you. He's the second best wide receiver ever lived. The people in Philadelphia think Terrell Owens is better than Randy Moss. I laugh at them. Not that Terrell Owens was a bad player. That's not even a comp in my mind. Um, so I think very, very highly of Randy Moss. Um, and and no, what I put part of it is that cornerbacks have changed. They're more gifted today, but the game is different. So they can't be as dominant as old school corners because they're not allowed to be as dominant. But if you can play press covers today, you're probably better than anybody in the past because the athletes have gotten better and all that kind of stuff. So it, it depends how you framework it. But he's on a. There's no question he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. There's no question Jalen Ramsey's going to be a Hall of Fame player, barring an injury and he's never played again. And people, he might even be a Hall of Fame player now. We can ask when we get our buddies on. They'll talk about longevity, but there have been guys, whether it's Terrell Davis, Tony Baselli, it might take them. They didn't have the long careers, but they were so dominant in his short careers. He's going to keep playing. So there's no question he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if yeah, if you want to go Randy, you know, Randy's better than just about everybody. So I guess, yeah. Uh, no, I didn't Moss go Randy. Better. You went Randy. I didn't well, because Randy. I talk, no, I talk about people, Aaron Donald. I tell it all the way, same way. Aaron Donald, first, first ballot Hall of Famer. Jaylen well, Ramsey's talking to Brandon, active. talking to Brandon, but. Guess what? Michael Vick. Players talk about Michael Vick in awe because of his skill set. When players talk about other players and they're in awe of them, I take notice. That doesn't always be at the level of Randy or Aaron Donald, but I take notice when they respect other players to the point where it's over the top because that's when you know somebody is super, super, super good and super talented. Now, did Michael Vick live up to his talent? Probably not. And there were some obvious issues. Um, but, you know, people talked about him the same way. And those are the guys I'm talking. Jalen Ramsey's in that category of, of guys other players are in awe of. And that speaks very highly to me, um, to say the least. Well, then that should at least in part worry some Eagle fans because if Jalen Ramsey is that good and commands that kind of respect, he's spitting all over Vic Fangio. He can't do enough of it from down in Miami. Well, there were a lot of Miami. I mean, corners, talented corners don't want to play zone. They don't. They don't. The The guys who can cover don't want to play zone. They don't. So if you're going to play a, a, a heavy zone scheme, I think it's a waste of time to go get it because the guys who get paid at the top level, those are the press coverage guys. And look, you can do it. And some of them are so good. They'll, they'll make it work to a degree where it's going, certainly going to be serviceable. And that's where we started with Sneed. Maybe Sneed is that guy. 
Maybe he is. It'll be serviceable. But for the expectations of a $20 million corner, right. $19 million If you're going to pay him, you, well, then that means the Eagles aren't going to pay anybody this year at cornerback. They're going to – they may cling to Bradbury, which, again, I was surprised yesterday with how he said. I know he was just about to get off the podium. He didn't really get in depth, and the answer that he gave, is his in-depth part of it was more – kind of like making excuses for Bradbury that, oh, we had him in the slot, which wasn't really his position. He's more of an outside guy, and maybe that's on me because I didn't give him enough bullets in the slot that the coaches felt they had to do that. But then he finished up with, yeah, he's part of the team. He's under, he's part of the team. That surprised me that he went down that road that he was committed. Now, you and I say this all the time. How can you change his mind tomorrow? He was committed on this, uh, February 27th. James Bradbury's part of the team. Doesn't mean on March 3rd that he can change his mind and go, well, he's not part of the team today. We're going to do something else. Or the, the leading up to free agency or the draft. So he's not um, one of my favorite uh, McMullenisms. He wasn't under oath yesterday. So he's no. not going to be held to that. <laughs> but I was just surprised that he went there, that on this given day, he did say he's part of the team. So you're telling me, John, don't expect the Eagles to go out and uh, sink any significant money in the cornerback unless a guy is a definitively good defensive zone corner that they're not. No, I, a that, 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 for a... that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying okay. top of the line, uh, they might draft a corner in the first round. They pay Darius Slay. They pay James Bradbury significant money. <clears throat> it is a position of value for them. I think Howie's too smart to pay, again, uh, 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 the number one corner on the market, undoubtedly. At the top level, um, which is going to be $19, $20 million minimum, might even be more, um, I think he's too smart to, to pay that kind of money to a player whose main skill, his best skill is press, and he understands what the scheme is. That's my opinion. And you just have Jalen Ramsey and Zabe. That's why I brought up Jalen. And 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 Zabian didn't say it. Jalen said it. So I won't blame Zabian Howe. But he's similar. He's a press corner. He's been a press corner. Um, and evidently, they didn't like it. Jalen certainly didn't like it. The uh, Zabian, I don't believe, liked it as well. Um, and there have been other players as well. Um, from Miami, but I, I I think he's too smart to go in that direction. Now, if he drafts the kid from Missouri in the first round or if uh, Quinion Mitchell falls, which I don't think he will, and he drafts him in the first round, yeah, that's fine. You know, they got a rookie deal. It's going to be pretty high money, obviously, for a first-round pick, but nonetheless, you got five years, yeah, which is at least serviceable. 22 is in four. Uh, yeah. First-round draft pick scales down, and you're right, first-round draft pick, first-round draft pick, but then you get the added value of getting that fifth-year option uh, lock-in, yeah. so you don't have to worry about free agency till he gets six years. So it's, it's, a, it's a position they value, but that to me, there's a big difference from $12 million to top-of-the-market $20 million player, uh, especially when you're getting that $20 million player to play in a totally different scheme than he was successful in. Let's be honest. Other than Brian Flores, 
there is not a more different scheme in the NFL, maybe Wink Martindale, maybe Brian Flores, and then Steve Spagnuolo's scheme than what the Eagles played defensively. Am I wrong from that standpoint? No. It's a completely different sentiment of playing football. There are two things you got to take into consideration. The type of zone, the type of defense you want to play as compared to the one the player is coming out of. And yeah, other other than you, and maybe shame on the Dolphins for this because they came in, swooped in and took Van, Vic Fangio away. They had to know that they were taking in Vic Fangio to play Fangio's zone defense, right? And they've got Xavier, and they've got Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey there. So, what were they thinking? Why would you bring in a guy who is zone concept at the yin yang for his defensive backs when you've got two of the good young press? Well, not young, but two of the best press corners in the National Football League. Was that just a dumb hire by the Dolphins? Maybe they think so. I mean, and then you add the money on top of it, making him the highest paid coordinator. Um, and they were happy to get out of it. So the, clearly they they thought they made a mistake after the season. Um yeah. So and 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 they went to uh Anthony Weaver, who's coming from the Baltimore system, which again would be at least on paper, not to the degree of Kansas City or or Flores or Martindale, but more of what would fit um some of the players they have. Uh, would be, I would say, the Baltimore um, method of defense. And if it's a better fit, then that'll be good for the Dolphins. We'll see how the fit works out here with Fangio in Philadelphia. He's McMullen. I'm McDonald, the Mac and Mac Bird Street 65 guys. You know what we got to do? Come back and put a bow on this show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Uh, yes, the next two days we'll get that much more into guys who are draft eligible, guys who are competing. Oh, they're not really competing, but performing. That would be the better word. Performing. Well, you're competing against each other, I guess, in the clock. You the know. clock. They're more uh, 30, 40 yard dash. They're complete, yeah. competing against that 437 as compared to 441. Ooh, that four hundredths of a second is all the difference in the world basically laughable but it is what it is uh and we'll certainly factor in more of what the eagles are doing what the eagles are looking for uh no one has started to compete with themselves or the clock or anybody else yet that doesn't even get underway till tomorrow but we'll uh, do a little bit more with uh, what the eagles are looking at who is uh who are the players that need to have and i kept on them because they kind of fit the system and uh are the kind of players that the eagles might have interest in uh we'll surely do more of that the next two days uh, but before we get out of here today, we mentioned it in passing yesterday. We didn't do a hell, whole hell of a lot of it. Um, and I was very interested to see if it became part of the conversation with Tiriati, and it really didn't. Marcus Hayes, with the article that he wrote prior to uh, the general manager, the coach, stepping up to the podium, talking about how Nick Sirianni this year handled different players differently. Not the first time it's ever happened in the National Football League. So I brought people... up Jimmy yesterday, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. Right. I thought that, you know, I love Marcus. You know that. We have Marcus on the show. Maybe we should we'll try, try to get and get him tomorrow. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, I think it's common sense. I think everybody does it. You you are treated differently depending on and I, last week, you know, if you're the fifth receiver on this team and you expect to be treated like A.J. Brown, well, guess what? Uh, doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way in any NFL city. And we brought up the Emmett Smith conversation, Jimmy Johnson. I'll treat you all fairly. I'm not going to treat you all the same. Uh, that's scoopy. Think about Deshaun Watson. You think a third-string quarterback is going to live through those allegations and get the largest contract in NFL history at the time? Um, no, um, that to me is common. That happens everywhere. I, I think, I don't think that's a big deal at all. Your, your thoughts on that. Jerry? Right. Here's where, here's where I guess I'll come to Marcus's defense a little bit. You're right. To think that 53 guys are all going to be treated exactly the same is ridiculous. There's no way that that could happen. There are levels of talent. There are levels of contract. There's a level of leadership that have to be factored in. So that's a pipe dream to think everybody's going to be treated exactly the same. But it is a balancing act that a coach has to do. 
on, on every team I ever played on, the coaches treated kids differently. And I played on teams where I was the best player. And I played on teams where I was at second string at best. And there were better guys than me on the team. So I got treated differently by different coaches. You want to be able to handle both. You want to be able to put your got cut some slack to your stars, ask them to do other things, not ask them to do things. And then your guys who are earning and fighting for playing time and the like, it can't be this hard and fast cast system of you guys don't have any rules and you guys have more rules than you can keep track of. It is a balancing act. And maybe Sirianni misbalanced it a little bit this year. I'm not there every single day. Markets got quotes from guys who were players who were there and were treated differently by both the head coach. And, and by the way, Marcus's article did include the coordinators that somehow some of them were actually scared of players on the team that Brian Johnson was intimidated by AJ Brown. I don't know if that's the case or not, but that's what uh, Marcus reported. I, I, it, I think that it could have been done better if Marcus's reporting is accurate, that maybe Sirianni's balance wasn't perfect. But I'm not going to go to the other end of, oh, my God, you got to treat everybody exactly the same. That's just not reality in 2023. Yeah, yeah. There are going to be varying sets of rules for I, players on a team. I don't think it was ever true. Um, never mind now. Um, and, and, again, Jimmy, now we can go back to Jimmy, and that's a long time ago now. Uh, I don't think it's ever been that case. I think it's always been the way that if you're a star player, certainly you're treated a little bit differently. Um, and I think that will continue. Um, I think it's the difference between winning and losing. I, I do, uh, you know, when you're winning, everything's copacetic when you're losing, everything is under the microscope and they were losing. So all of a sudden, and I'm sure Marcus's reporting is accurate. Although I would say AJ Brown's the nicest guy in the freaking world. I, I don't know who he's intimidating, other than the fact he's built like a, you know, brick, yeah. you know what. Um, and he is very well enabled to share his opinions he, he, I, loudly I, I mean, during the game. You, you got to at least acknowledge I mean, that. There, there are, like Mike was talking about interviewing Fletcher Cox. Fletcher's intimidating. If, if Fletcher gets pissed at you, and you saw a lot of people saw him get pissed at Jeff, Jeff McLean, Fletcher's intimidating. Um, AJ's not intimidating. <laughs> He's just not. Um, nicest guy in the world. Uh, yeah. I to me, it's the difference between winning and losing. Um, and they were losing, so everything comes up. And you know, if you're down on the roster and you're losing, and you see AJ, you know going off script and not getting any um, criticism. Yeah, I can see how it can get frustrating. Um, but I just talked about Randy Moss a lot. We just talked about Rand. Guess what? Nobody was telling Randy what he was doing. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's indifferent, but. I, I don't think it's a different in any other NFL city. I really don't. And one thing that I can basically guarantee you, Eagle fans, 
on the defense side of the ball. As the 53 men, it's all one big unit. It's a culture that the entire Philadelphia Eagle team is supposed to draw from as per uh, put in place by Nick Sirianni. But we know there's also ch- separation of church and state. There's offense and there's defense. And it's going to be pretty uh, prevalent on the Philadelphia Eagles because despite Nick jokingly saying in his last meeting, well, I made 10 more defensive meetings coming up. No, you're not. Because Vic Fangio doesn't want you in that room. Vic Fangio is going to be a take-charge guy on the defensive side of the ball. Although I like Sean Desai as a guy, I don't believe he was a take-charge guy. I just He didn't show that to me during the season in the way that he coached and or any of his – John, you were there every single Tuesday for all the coordinators. Sean Desai didn't have the commanding presence of Jim Schoen. No, I, I mean – And he won't I, have the commanding presence of Vic Fangio either. I can't, but now I'm going into Sean to decide defend mode. I, I do think all the, I think early in the season, I think people forget there was some good stuff coming from Sean Desai. There were some good moments. There were some interesting things. Um, he was willing to try different things, sometimes good, sometimes bad. James Bradbury in the slot would be bad, um, but he had an open mind. I, I like that. You know, we talked about the Miami game. Uh, there were certain games where he said, wow, this is this is pretty good. And I think if if you go back early in the season, there were times where you saw fans, oh, he's going to be better than Jonathan Cannon. He's doing different things. Um, and then it all went off the wheels, and he had all these conversations of, you know, he's, you know, he's a teacher. He's, he doesn't have a presence. Um you know, Gannon had a presence. Schwartz certainly had a presence. He doesn't have that presence. Vic will have that presence. I mean, to me, it's sort of like we talked about with young players early in the show. If you don't give them an opportunity, how do they get a presence? You're going to write them off. I, I said, you're hiring, and Nick talked about this a little bit yesterday, and I know we got to go pretty soon, but... um you know you're hiring you you need you need to get young players on the field they need that opportunity you're hiring first time coaches in the case of Brian Johnson first time offensive coordinator is second year for Sean Desai as a defensive coordinator but very young and you're not expecting growing pains to me that's the biggest egregious part of this i mean you you think there's going to be no growing you just went through it with Gannon and Sirianni he mentioned I was a first-year coach. Gannon was a first-year defensive coordinator. If you go back to 2021, they both had significant growing pains, and you allowed right. them to so, grow. So, but then let me ask you this: Why the hell did he pull the plug on the side? If Nick I, is the, of the well, you know, you got to be able to grow and you got to be patient. Why the hell did he pull the plug on him? Was ready well, to pull, I, start I, to I, think I, about pulling the plug after nine weeks. And then officially pulled you the plug me. after 11 weeks. I, I've told you pretty consistently, Jody, for the people that wanted Nick Sirianni fired, I said on this show numerous times, stop talking about the offense. The fireable offense is what he did with the defensive yeah. coordinator. I've said that pretty consistently. You it was I a both. dumb decision. Uh, it didn't work. It was a disastrous decision in hindsight. Um and you're right. He contradicted himself. He didn't give him time. And he's talking about giving guys time. Right. Well, you didn't give him time. You, you, you needed time. time. You needed. Uh, now, 
he sees things behind the scenes. I don't know. Maybe Sean Desai was completely in over his head. I don't know. I guess that's a possibility. I find it hard to believe, but I guess it's a possibility. Um, but yeah, I said if you if for the I for the I want Nick Sirianni fired crowd. You should have started your first bullet point, which should have been what Sean he Desai. did with Sean Desai Absolutely and, right. and Matt Patricia. You you know, I said fireable offense several times here on the show. But uh, Sean Desai, good luck. He did get a gig. He's out in L.A. More sunshine for you, Sean. Enjoy yourself out in La La Land. Yeah, and you're with Sean McVay now. So you'll be touched by the hand of uh, God or at least a football guy. And he's doing something other than uh, going from hotel to uh, convention center in Indianapolis this week because Rams don't show up for the combine. They don't need to be there for the combine. So Sean's got this week off too. So enjoy, Sean. Uh, We do not have the week off. We will be back here again tomorrow and Friday. We'll try and get more into some of the players because Nick and and Howie both talk. And we're going to have Randy Mueller from Indy tomorrow. Former nice. NFL executive of the year. So Randy, Randy's going to join the program tomorrow. We'll get his take on some of the players who will be working out, competing, call it whatever you want. Uh, and guys, the Eagles could have interest in. I'm back here in 22 hours. Johnny Max back at here in 22 hours. That means you have to be back here in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.